Good morning, Reality San Francisco. Our text for today is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on my shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. God, it is so lovely in your dwelling place. It is so good to be in your presence. Father, I pray that this morning that our hearts would be prepared to receive from you. God, I pray that you would remove all distractions and all resistance and that Holy Spirit, you would speak to us. It's so good to be in your presence this morning. Open our ears, open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. This psalm is often referred to as the Song of Zion. It's about a journey. It's about a pilgrimage, a spiritual journey. The traveler is on his way to Jerusalem, to the temple. And this psalm has so much language of joy. It's, it's so positive. It's so uplifting. It's anticipating encountering the presence of God in the temple. And then snuck right in the middle of there is this little verse in verse six, and it says, as they pass through the valley of Baca. I wish we had time this morning to unpack this whole psalm, this whole celebration, this whole journey about being in the presence of God, but instead I wanna focus in on this verse. I actually grew up in a valley. Many of you know that I grew up in the heart of British countryside in a little village, and we grew up in an area called the Saw Valley. And I had all these little communities that were around the River Saw. And one of my memories as a child is that when it rained in the winter, it would flood really badly to the point that my little village of maybe five or 6,000 people would literally be cut off from the outside world. We couldn't get to school, we couldn't get to work. The floods would come up so high and that's because a valley is low ground. It's literally a depression in the landscape. So the rain would come down and it would flood this whole area. Valleys are symbolic throughout scripture. We see them represent battles. We see them represent difficulty and suffering and really low challenging places. And unlike my village, the valley that's being referred to here by our psalmist is a dry and desolate place. It would have been harsh. It would have been like a wilderness. On his journey to Jerusalem to encounter God, he would have found himself 
in this valley that wasn't lush and wasn't fertile and wasn't fun. It was difficult and it was hard and it was dry. I think right now we are in a collective valley experience. We are far from the mountaintop. We know that coronavirus has not only affected our city and our nation, but the entire world, and we are watching the domino effect of the wreckage of that. Not only death and sickness, but starvation and poverty being exasperated. And we also know that this virus does not affect us equally. We know that it disproportionately affects communities of color. We know that those who are in a certain lower economic bracket are vulnerable in ways that many of us are not. We know that it is painful and it is difficult and we are in like a valley season globally, but that is just a layer of pain that sits on top of many other layers of pain. Things in our world that hurt, things in our world that cause anger and sadness and grief. For example, this week, we've heard the story of a young black man out jogging who was murdered by two white men, caught on video, and still we don't have justice. We grieve that we live in that kind of world. We grieve the fact that so many of our Asian brothers and sisters have experienced intensified discrimination, hatred, and racism in light of coronavirus. We grieve that. We grieve the space between shalom and what God would desire for our world and where we find ourselves. We are in a collective valley experience. But as if that were not enough pain to carry in our bodies and in our lives and in our communities, we also experience individual valley experiences. Maybe you have been personally affected by the season that we're in, family members, maybe you are fighting your own battles, your own addictions, your own struggles, maybe you're even having a struggle around your faith and your relationship with God. So not only do we have this collective experience, but we have this individual experience. This morning, I want to talk about that individual experience. I want to talk about the valley. I want to talk about four truths that are relevant to being in the valley. In this scripture, it says that the traveler is walking through the valley of Baca. That word Baca in the Hebrew literally translates to weeping or lamenting. That this traveler would have found themselves in such a difficult place that it wasn't just like, hmm, this is hard, but it would have created this weeping, this sadness, this lamenting. And I've been thinking a lot about tears this week because maybe like you, I've been crying a lot. And I've been thinking about how we can't ever get our tears back. You know, we cry, they fall to the ground, we wipe them with tissues and they're gone. And the reality is that there is nothing more lost than tears. Imagine if you were crying and then you thought, you know what, I want to get back all that salty water. I want to get back my tears. I want to gather them back up. And you start searching around your apartment and your roommate comes in and says, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my tears. That would be crazy because we know that they're lost and that they're gone. And that is what the psalmist is communicating here when the traveler is in this valley of weeping. It's a valley of loss. It's a valley of grief of things that we may never get back. How do we handle that kind of grief? How do we handle our valley 
experiences, the first point that I want to make this morning is that lament is the language of the valley. Lament is the language of the valley. In his book, Prophetic Lament, Sung Chan Ra says, lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. Many of us are feeling all of those emotions of lament, anger, frustration, confusion, sadness, all of this welling up. And the reality is that God not only is okay with our lament, but he welcomes our lament. You see, many of us grew up in homes where we were told to go to our room when we were crying and come back when we can put a smile on our face. Or we were told like that kind of anger is not welcome in this family. We don't do that here. But the church, the people of God, the people that hunger and yearn after God's presence, lament is the language of our valley. In fact, God says, that's how I want you to respond. I want you to name it. I want you to call it what it is. I want you to say it out loud. I want you to feel it. I want you to bring that to me. You know, the challenge of lament and being in the, in the valley is it can feel so exhausting and so weighty. And then we realize that there's another challenge that we face in the valley. You see, because we are vulnerable in the valley, because we're vulnerable when we're exhausted and we're, we have these negative emotions and we're, we're suffering and we're challenged, we're vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. You see, the enemy is an opportunist. We see this in the New Testament, right? And Jesus is out in the wilderness and he's fasting and he's out there for 40 days and the devil shows up and tempts him. He is an opportunist. And don't think for a second that because you were in the valley and you were having a hard day, the enemy is gonna back off and say, oh, let's just, let's just leave them alone. Let's just let her find her feet. Like we'll come back soon. No, he is an opportunist and he wants to jump right on into that valley with you and in that place of lament. And he wants to lie to you. And that's my second point this morning. Lies surround us in the valley. Have you ever noticed, maybe you have in the season, that when you're feeling low, when you're already feeling vulnerable, that you can also experience feeling bombarded, besieged by thinking that doesn't bring life. And it feels so true in the valley, doesn't it? When things are hard and we're already wrestling, when the enemy comes in and just whispers about how we're failing, homeschooling our kids and everybody else is succeeding, but you're doing a really bad job. All those efforts that you're trying to make to serve your community, that's pathetic. It's not making any impact. These are the kind of lies that he comes at us with. He tells us that the valley, we'll never come out of it. This is gonna be your burial ground. This is the end of that relationship, the end of your finances, the end of your career. It brings an atmosphere of defeat. And so we're in the valley and we feel like broken people already. And then the enemy just jumps on. He tells us how worthless our lament is. What's the point anymore? Your tears are gone. They produce nothing. But let's just hold that thought for a second because the devil is a liar and what he tells us isn't true. Let's look at what the text says. Verse six says that as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Let's pause here and just ponder that. 
Because up until this point, we've been talking about the valley and it is a place of struggle and sadness and grief and lament and loss, but something else is happening here and it's not what we expected. You see, we're in the valley of tears. We're in the valley of loss and we kind of expect to crawl through that valley and we hope we'll come out and we'll survive and we'll look back and we'll say, well, that was hell, but I made it through. But I'm looking at this text and I'm thinking there's something else here. It's not just about us surviving or dragging ourselves through, but it's about springs. The Hebrew word here translates to springs or a well. And it literally implies that there is this underground reservoir of water. See, travelers on this journey, they're seeking God and they are in this valley and they think that their tears are wasted. They think that it's hopeless, but something is bubbling up. Have you ever seen anyone dig a well like they used to dig a well hundreds and thousands of years ago? Not like today with machinery, but when they literally have a shovel in hand and they would dig into the dirt and then they would hit water and you'd start to see this bubbling coming up. This bubbling that at first looks filthy and dirty, but before long, the springs of water begins to come up and it's this life-giving, life-sustaining water. See, the language here in the valley of Baca with these springs, this is language of redemption. Something is bubbling up here. Hundreds of years before Jesus even walked the earth, the psalmist is tapping into the heart of God. That when we see pain and grief and loss, when we feel like we're overcome in the battle, the words of redemption say, this is not the end of your story. This is the heart of God. Something is bubbling up from a deep place. And I love this imagery of the tears going down, gravity pulling them to the ground. And then literally in response, you have this coming up of these springs of this life-giving water. It implies that those tears are not wasted, that the lament is not hopeless, that something is coming up, something is bubbling up. It's almost like a foreshadowing of Jesus. In his death and his resurrection, he went into the ground, closed into the tomb, like our tears feel like they're gone in the ground. It's the end of our story. It's over. This is it. But then on the third day, he rose again and he resurrected. And in the same way, God is bringing something up out of the ground. God is doing something unexpected. God is at work. And that is my third point for you, that life stirs in the valley. You might be lamenting and you might be feeling the lies, but let me promise you that life stirs in the valley. I know that many of us feel like this is the end. This is our burial place. This is what we will never come back from. But this week as I was preparing, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me so clearly, you think this is reduction, but this is redemption. You think this is a stripping away. You think this is just a loss, just a grief. And though there are things that we may never get back, redemption is bubbling up. God is at work in the valley. The Savior is at work in our valley. And even better than that, the Savior is with us in the valley. 
the final point that I want to make is that love accompanies us in the valley. Psalm 23 is that famous psalm about the Lord is my shepherd, the good shepherd. And towards the end of the scripture, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. You see, when we're in the valley, God doesn't run away from us. When we're in the valley, when we're feeling anger and sadness and lament, it doesn't scare him away. He is in the valley with us. And I know that we're feeling so much right now, so much pain and so much struggle, and we just wanna get out of it. But I wanna say something important to you this morning, Reality San Francisco. The primary inner work of the Holy Spirit when we are in the valley is not to get us out of the valley, but rather to help us recognize that God is with us in the valley. I wanna say that again, because I feel like this is a mindset shift that God is wanting to do in our community. The primary inner work of the Holy Spirit when we are in the valley is not to get us out of the valley, but rather for, to help us recognize that God is with us in the valley. Let me just unpack that. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about all of the tragedy and the loss and the wreckage in our world right now. I believe that God cares deeply and He's angry and He's sad and He's mobilizing on behalf of the vulnerable and that the church is alive and we need to pray and we need to give and we need to serve and all of that, yes. But what I mean is the inner work of the Holy Spirit inside of us, in our lives, is not to just pull us out of the valley, but to help us see that God is with us in the valley. See, we all want an airlift, right? We're like, someone just come and grab me out of my life right now and just drop me anywhere but here. This is so hard, this is so difficult. But what I feel like God is saying is that the Holy Spirit is not trying to airlift you out of the valley, but He is trying to meet you in it. He wants to come into that space, into the brokenness, into the sadness. See, the reality is that we are not travelers on the way to Jerusalem to go to some temple to worship God. We have the presence of Jesus with us right now, 24-7 access. We don't need to go somewhere right here in this moment. Whatever you're feeling today, Jesus is with you. I know that some of you listening today are feeling a lot of heaviness. I know that some of you ladies that are watching today is a very challenging day for you. It's Mother's Day. And it's possible that the only reason you're at church today is because you don't have to show up to church and put on a brave face because you long to be a mom. Maybe some of you have lost children. Some of you are separated, distanced from your children. And yet at the same time, you may be feeling shame for feeling that because you're looking around at the world and you're saying, well, people are dying. Like, I shouldn't feel this. Like, I got to care about that. Their needs are more important. And what I sense God saying to you this morning is it's okay that that is your valley. It's okay that that is your pain. He's with you in it. I know that some of you aren't sleeping, that you are anxious and you are scared, and you are burning through your savings, and you don't know how you're gonna make your career happen, and you're angry with God, and there's so many emotions, and you just don't know if there's a place for them. And I wanna tell you this morning that in God's kingdom, there's a place for you. He is with you. It's okay that that is your valley. 
I know that some of you were excited about 2020. This was going to be your year, even relationship-wise, that you have done hard, hard work. You have taken bold steps. You went into this year, you're like, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to believe God for more. I'm going to hope for more. And then boom, 2020 comes and it's just like, I don't even know. Like, I, I don't know if I'll ever date again. I don't know if I'll ever find anyone. But I feel bad thinking about that because there's all this other stuff and I feel like God wants to say to you this morning, it's okay that that is your valley right now. It's okay if you're feeling that grief and that loss. I know that some of you are just feeling really wrecked and sad and broken and you don't know if Jesus really wants a broken person because everybody else has always walked away. And I want you to know that Jesus wants you and he loves you, and it's okay if you feel broken in the valley because he is with you. Jesus is so much kinder, so much more full of love than we could ever imagine. He's not just at work in the valley, but he's with us in the valley. One of the things I want to say in closing is I love the end of verse six. It says that the autumn rains also cover it with pools. So you're in this valley and the water starts to bubble up, but then it starts to pour down. It's the sense of yes, redemption's at work, but not, God's not just going to meet us with what we've given him, but he's going to lavish us with abundance in the valley. His presence is overwhelming us. In John seven, Jesus speaks and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the gospel has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Listen, Jesus wants to meet us. He wants to show us his redemptive power. He wants us to drink living water from him. But here's what I don't want us to miss. That redemption needs to be the whole, whole gospel, the whole redemption. It's not just for us. It's for our families, it's for our communities, it's for our city. As I was studying this passage, that word springs sometimes translates to in the Hebrew to a well. And I spent a lot of time reading about wells and it's fascinating, but one of the things that struck me was that when travelers would dig these wells in dry places, they would have the water and as they went to move on, they would cover it with a stone so that travelers that came after them could drink from the water. Listen, what God is doing in our lives is not just for us. It's for our communities. It's for our city. God is wanting that living water to come up in us so that we can send it out into the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are moving in our hearts, that there are some of us that just need to lament. We need to name what we're feeling we need to bring our sadness to you. Lord, there are some of us that are bombarded by the lies of the enemy and we just need you to come in and show us what's true. We need you to shift the atmosphere away from defeat and get our eyes on you. Lord, we all need to feel the bubbling of redemption in this season. And Jesus, we all need a fresh revelation that you are with us in the valley. Come meet us, Lord. Amen.